Continuing with this chapter, um, mostly with uh, technical explanations, descriptions. So it's um, it's a uh, uh, a little bit uh, sort of repetitive and uh, um, a bit dry. But um, we'll go through uh, some of it. I'll leave a certain amount of it. I'll I'll leave out. But um, we'll go through um, some of it. What he's doing here, the author is of faithfully covering a lot of the standard explanations and um, uh, say, uh, portraying those or, or spelling those out so that um, the reader is acquainted with uh, the kind of formal or standard uh, orthodox explanations and descriptions um, as a sort of, uh, uh, and then later on in later chapters he goes more into explanations and giving examples and and such like that um, is a bit more uh, say, relatable or tangible but uh, we'll carry on now with the uh, general explanations. Here are several examples that give a brief and simple explanation for these factors of dependent origination. So first of all, asava, the outflows leading to avijja, to ignorance. The belief that going to heaven is the highest happiness. The belief that killing others will bring happiness. The belief that suicide will bring happiness. The belief that birth as a Brahma god will bring immortality. The belief that heaven is reached by making propitiatory offerings. The belief that Nibbana is reached by undertaking austerities. The belief that there is a, a presently existing self that will be reborn <coughs> as a result of certain actions. The belief that nothing exists after death. So these are different kinds of ignorance. And uh, outflows leading to or feeding that quality of ignorance. Thence, to Sankhara, thinking and inclining in the direction of, or in accord with, such beliefs as above. Conceiving modes of conduct and action, karma, based on such thoughts and intentions. These actions may be good, punya, or bad, apunya, uh, or uh, papa, or imperturbable, aninja. Thence on to vinyana consciousness, awareness and cognition of these sense impressions that specifically conform to such intentions. So that based on those beliefs of trying to go to heaven forever or um, that uh, getting rid of a certain person will make you happy or getting rid of yourself will make you happy and so on. So vinyana, awareness and cognition of these sense impressions that specifically conform to such intentions. A consciousness with particular qualities is generated. At death, the force of volitional formations, sankhara, of created karma, induces rebirth-linking consciousness, which is called pati-sandhi-vinyana, with appropriate properties, to take rebirth in a plane of existence suited to it. Then on to nama-rupa, birth leads to a body and a life that is prepared to perform subsequent karma. There arise the body aggregate, rupa-kanda, the feeling aggregate, Vedanakanda, the perception aggregate, Sanyakanda, 
and the volitional formation aggregate, Sankara Kanda, which possesses the properties and deficiencies endowed in them by the force of previously generated karma. These aggregates are also conditioned by the nature of the particular plane of existence, depending on birth, say, as a human being, an animal, or a celestial being. Then on to Salayatana, the six senses. In order to respond to the external world, to enable cognition and to satisfy personal needs, there must be a channel for associating with the external world. With the support of mind and body, Nama Rupa, life proceeds according to the force of karma, karmic momentum, to the point where there, uh, there arise the six senses, the eye, ear, nose, tongue, body and mind, which cognizes internal phenomena. Pasa, uh, contact, is next. Cog uh, cognition takes place by the contact or coming together of three factors. The internal sense bases, eye, ear, nose, tongue, body and mind. The external sense objects, sight, sound, smells, taste, tactile objects and mind objects. And consciousness, the eye, ear, nose, tongue, body and mind consciousness that arises. So the contact is the three of those coming together. The, the sense organ, the sense object and the consciousness arising with those two coming together. That's defined as pasa. Then Vedana, there arises feeling or sensation either as pleasure, sukha vedana, pain, dukkha vedana, or a neutral feeling, adukama sukha vedana, or upeka vedana. For unawakened beings, the process does not end here. As a consequence, tanha, craving. When experiencing pleasure, there is delight, covetousness, and greed. When experiencing pain or discomfort, there is aversion, annoyance, and hostility. A person is agitated and wishes for the feeling to disappear. They wish to escape from the painful object, seeking to replace it with a pleasurable one. Alternatively, a person experiences a neutral feeling of indifference, which is a, a subtle feeling classified as a form of pleasure, since there's no aversion. It's a mild feeling of, of ease. Thence on to upadana, clinging, grasping. When desire is heightened, there is grasping. A person becomes attached to and preoccupied with an object. Before an object is acquired, there is craving. After the object is acquired, there is grasping. Grasping is not confined to desirable sense objects, kamupadana, but extends to associated views and opinions, ditupadana, to ways of practice uh, for acquiring desired objects, silapakupadana, and to a sense of self, attavarupadana. These different forms of grasping are linked. So the tanha, craving, is a sort of the inclination towards an object, and then having taken hold of it, then uh, upadana is the, the grasping or clinging to that object. Then, um, onto bhava, the intention to act in response to the aforementioned grasping. This intention, which conforms to the specific craving and grasping, leads to the entire range of behavior, the active process of becoming, uh, as good or bad or imperturbable. For example, a person may wish to go to heaven and believes that certain actions will lead to this end and thus performs these actions. At the same time, he or she prepares the conditions for existence, the five aggregates that will appear in the state of existence befitting that karma. When creation of karma operates in this way, at that moment when a lifespan ends, the force of the accumulated karma impels the next stage of the cycle. Jati. So um, this is the uh, say spelling out of the three life form of um, dependent origination so that the, the previous... Uh, Life is um, up to you know, ignorance, uh, um, volitional formations, and then a consciousness. Then Nama Rupa is the sort of is where the beginning of 
the current life is, so that the, you know, the first two or three uh, are sort of the, the previous life, then um, consciousness to uh, leading to mind and body, and then that whole lot is in the current life, up to bhava, becoming, and then jati is the future life, so it's called the three lives model, so past life, present life, and future lives. So jati in this respect is the, the next life that um, there is say, initiated. Jati, starting with rebirth linking consciousness, pati sandhi vinyana, which conforms to the karmic momentum, there is birth in a realm of existence appropriate to that karma. The five aggregates arise and life begins. Mind and body, the six sense bases, contact and feeling arise, and the wheel of dependent origination continues. And with birth, there is certain to be jara marana, deterioration and destruction of life. For unawakened people, aging and death are constantly felt as threatening and oppressive, both overtly and subconsciously. Therefore, in the life of ordinary people, aging and death are linked to Sokaparideva Dukkha Dhammanasu Payasa, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair, which collectively are referred to as suffering. The concluding line of dependent origination is thus, such is the origin of this whole mass of suffering. So that's sort of spelling things out in the three-life model somewhat. Um, uh, one of the, the questions that's frequently asked, and I think probably in previous readings uh, we, we uh, addressed that, was that you know, if all Dhammas are not self, then, then what is it that gets reborn? If, uh, and then if we talk in, in everyday terms about a, you know, a being's past life or present life or their future life, um, isn't that feeding a, a sense of self? So what is it that gets reborn? And uh, uh, my, the, the short answer uh, I, uh, that I like to use is habits. And I think uh, that uh, I read out that um, the little book, The Mountains of Tibet, uh, if you remember, a few weeks ago, sometime back. <laughs> and that, uh, so uh, the, the short answer is habits. Whatever the, the, the mind uh, feels that it, it, uh, it likes and it loves and it owns, or what it feels it dislikes or, or uh, is afraid of or irritated by, or what is just familiar. That that's the, the mind's associations with particular sense objects, experiences, you know, tones of of, uh, of mood, that the degree to which the mind has said, you know, this is real, this is solid, this is this is me and mine, this is my world, then the attention will be drawn to that, rather like the the story of the, the being in the the mountains of Tibet. The little started off with a little boy flying his kite, and then the little boy rapidly got old and died, and then uh, it began that that journey until at the end there was a little girl who liked to fly a kite. <laughs> On the uh, the same mountainside, so that uh, this is a, a, a say a detailed way of talking about how that and in using somewhat technical language, but um, uh, so but that's really uh, what it's describing is how it, when the the mind latches onto particular sets of conditions or, or, or choices uh, are made with respect to um, say contending against painful things or threatening things or chasing after and holding on to pleasant things or, or just the, um, the, the, the sense of self around that sound or that smell or that taste that, um, that is as a, a, um, that there's a, a closeness, there are a dearness. Um, just the, the other day uh, this, um, um, this uh, Russian author Vitali Vitaliev came to, to visit, and um, uh, he, uh, he's actually from Ukraine. And he was talking about how uh, he, was, uh, he, he grew up in Kharkiv, 
which has now mostly been been flattened in the, in the war there. And he said, you know, Kharkiv was not a particularly attractive town, but it was where I was born, and so just the idea of the, the whole town being you know, destroyed and said, you know, it was a it was not a, a particularly charming place, or, or and and it was just my childhood, but it was my childhood, <laughs> and that it, it was very powerful hearing him talking about that that uh, that sense of even though it wasn't a, a particularly um, sort of uh, warm or friendly place or it didn't have particularly strong or fond memories of it um, one could imagine growing up in Hemel Hempstead might have similar <laughs> lack of charm uh, though I, I know if I, if I say that and I realise I'm being recorded but uh, when I have uh, described Hemel as being a charmless place and people, some people have cont- uh, contested that judgement but anyway, so it was, it was very, uh, it was interesting to hear, hear him say how just the associations of the child, and he left there a long, long time ago, a uh, long, long time ago. But his childhood and then going to school there and just the, 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 the perception of the, the, this place that he was, was, he was close to as part of his, his growing up was sort of flattened and destroyed and that, that has its, has its impact. So this is talking about that process of association and and how, when, uh, as it says, um, when uh, uh, if there isn't if there isn't wisdom, then advaidana, then that leads to to tanha. That there's the the pleasant is chased after the the painful or the, the irritating is is resisted or contended against. And neutral feelings, there's indifference, which, uh, as it says, is classified as a a subtle form of pleasure that just the absence of of painful feeling counts as as pleasant feeling uh, in the. Buddhist psychology, so that um, neutral feeling is a subtle form of, of pleasure in that respect. So, uh, uh, then uh, he closes off that, uh, that set of descriptions by saying, as dependent origination exists as a cycle, this stage of sorrow, etc., is not the end. In fact, this collection of qualities becomes another important factor causing the cycle to rotate further. Sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair reveal the existence of mental impurities called asava that fester in the heart. So before we go on to that, then the reason why it's called a cycle, or a cycle of addiction, or the, the wheel of birth and death, the, 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 um, the wheel of becoming, is that um, when that Sokoparideva Dukkha Dhammanasa uh, experience arises, and whether it's long-term, over a lifetime, or whether it's in a momentary experience, that feeling of something that you that you hoped was going to be really pleasant, was really going to be satisfying, or that was uh, that uh, you were really attached to, when it fades away or it, it disappears, um, uh, or that you've you followed an impulse to be you know to to get upset, get angry, or you followed an impulse to be indulgent, and then you're feeling oh I did it again, oh how could I lost my temper, or that wasn't very kind, and so when there's ignorance, then we take those um, that uh, I mean spelling it out as Sokapari Deva Dukkha Domanasupayasa makes it a bit other and foreign, but that very feeling of of uh, being so fragile, unsatisfied. Kind of um, a, a mixture of insecurity, self-criticism, uh, manky <laughs> uh, quality, or however one would describe it. That sense of unsatisfied, sort of blurry, uh, incomplete, 
that kind of a feeling, then when the mind is locked into that kind of, that sort of disappointed, incomplete, self-critical, um, unsatisfied feeling, if it doesn't know that for what it is, then um, what, why it's, uh, it's cyclical, and he goes into this here, because at that moment the, the asavas, the outflows, are, 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 sort of are fueled, or they're, they're strong, and so then to get away from that manky, insecure, unsatisfied, incomplete feeling, then uh, the mind remembers, uh, not consciously usually, the last time we felt good, which was when we were uh, in that becoming mode. I mean, that, that you, we grasped something that we wanted, or we were contending against something that we didn't want, and that that was the, the... I often point out that in the cycle of dependent origination, it's the bhava point. That's the that's the maximum thrill. Uh, and that's the yes. <laughs> so you haven't quite got what you wanted. You haven't quite bought, you know, acquired the thing. You haven't quite got hold of it. But you're on your way to it. So bhava is where you're guaranteed to get or to be associated with the thing that you want, whether it's an object of desire, or an object of aversion, or whatever it might be. So that's the, in a way, the sort of maximum delusion is at the bhava stage. And uh, I also like to quote uh, how, um, in a, a certain psychology experiments, they uh, they were looking at the mental states around desire and and shopping. And so they they rigged up uh, some people with uh, galvanic skin response uh, devices and uh, sent them shopping. And they wanted to measure, okay, what, what's the, the physiological response to the process of, of buying things that you, that, that you want and that you like. And they found that the, 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 the time of maximum stimulation, a maximum kind of, a, of, sort of the pleasure in the system, the sort of maximum endorphins in the system, is when you're guaranteed to get what you, what you want to buy and you haven't quite got it yet. As soon as it's in your hand, you start to get disappointed. It's like it's, it's, uh, you're a couple of notches down from that. Yes! And so that uh, I thought that's a very uh, interesting result to, to, to get, that it's, it's actually the promise is more appealing than the actuality of, of getting the, the things that, that you want. It's, uh, you're already starting to, to be disappointed. And as uh, I often quote Marilyn Monroe in... Uh, one of the songs that I think she's saying in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, when you get what you want, you don't want it anymore. If I gave you the moon, you'd be bored with it soon. She didn't write the song, she was singing it. If I gave you the moon, you'd be bored with it soon. Well, yeah, it's a lot of drama in there as well. But, uh, uh, so that, that if uh, that's what makes it cyclical, is that, you, that the, the mind remembers the last time we felt that sense of yes. And even though... Uh, our wisdom faculties, or our you know, the sort of super ego saying, you know, well, that was really painful. That was, you know, it was really rude. I upset that person by by being critical of them, or um, I ate too much again, and I'm not going to do that anymore. Even though the sort of rational wisdom faculties sort of try to set those good intentions, that is sort of working through a different channel than the that incomplete, manky, disappointed, uh, alienated, insecure feeling that they're, they're not totally unified, mostly. And so that in, in, uh, we've, what we find is that we are drawn towards repeating that, that situation where we last felt that, yes, <laughs> of helping ourselves to an extra slice of cake or a 
or letting someone know that they're annoying us <laughs> and and so that we find ourselves repeating the same habits over and over again or always crashing in the same car as David Bowie put it in one of his songs that we keep re- repeating the same mistakes so that's why it's cyclical is that it's a getting the, the way that we, we, we know that we can get away and it's not rational it's not at the surface level of thought like oh I'm feeling insecure incomplete and unsatisfied and self-critical therefore I will just repeat the same mistake I made last time <laughs> we, don't, we don't say it if we say it out loud to ourselves we, we're not so likely to do it but it's because it's, it's a, a kind of unconscious or semi-conscious process when we're in that sort of uh, manky, insecure, incomplete, self-critical um, m- uh, mood or mode, then we find that mind attracted towards that, that same situation. We, re- we recreate the situation where we last felt good. And so that we kind of repeat that, um, that the, the cycle. And as, uh, as the uh, Venerable Paiuto points out here, it's because... Uh, in, in terms of Buddhist psychology, we would say that the asava, the, the outflows, uh, the um, uh, of the outflow of becoming, the outflow of ignorance, the outflow of sense desire, uh, and the the outflow of uh, opinions, using opinions, they're all like there as fuel for that for that ignorant state, for that and making that seem real and solid. And if that isn't if that isn't recognized for what it is, then you know, the the fuel ignites, and we find the mind repeating the same habit, crashing the same car in the same way you know, over and over again. So that's, as he, as he says, it's this collection of qualities that become another important factor causing the cycle to rotate further. That's why it's called the cycle. It keeps, keeps turning around and around. Sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair reveal the existence of mental impurities called asava that fester in the heart. Any questions, thoughts, reflections on that? Yes. I'm contemplating on dependent origination, or occasionally because I was wondering where where is perception in all of this? So I wonder if that level of contact, if it's perceived to be something solid, then then that feeling comes of disappointment. Well, it, the, uh, uh, the the Buddha used various different formats in different situations, and so uh, sanya uh, isn't mentioned in the sort of classical format of this. But I would say it's where you have uh, co- you know, contact and feeling pasa and vedana uh, is that sort of close to the sanya area. So in a way, that's the that's where the the, the sanya is happening. It's not mentioned after the because in the uh, in the description of the uh, of the perceptual process in the Madhupindika Sutta, the the sweet morsel uh, Sutta, then it goes 
contact, you have pasa, then vedana, then sanya, then vitaka. Um, and then vitaka leads to papancha, and papancha leads to papancha, sanya, sankara. So it's describing a similar process, but using slight, somewhat different languaging or a different way of, of describing it. So, uh, I mean, you're not the first person to ask that question. <laughs> it's like, where's sanya in this? But it's, I would say it's, it's a, it's a mixture of, uh, of contact and feeling, and then before you get to, to craving. So, because sanya can uh, can take shape with no tana, no craving, no no sort of distortion or delusion uh, in there, and that um, in that uh, the the other um, sort of perceptual process with uh, I use that image of the tree to describe from Anguttara Nikaya, Book of the Tens, Sutta fifty eight. Then you have uh, uh, contact, feeling, and then uh, again sanya isn't mentioned. But there it says that then things di- all things diverge into feelings, and they're headed by concentration, dominated by mindfulness, surmounted by wisdom. So again, sanya isn't mentioned there, but it's definitely part of the the sort of experiential process is being described. So it's just in that in the, those instances, the Buddha just kind of doesn't bother to use the word sanya. In other places, he does. So it's just uh it's uh, in a way the circumstance of that particular teaching so i wouldn't say it's any sort of categorical difference but rather just doesn't have to mention that that way um doesn't use that way of talking about it that's how I, how i understand it anyway yeah does this process happen like when we are asleep as well so for example if we are dreaming then we are dreaming uh, I would say yeah, it's uh, uh, the mind consciousness co-opting the other senses to create the mental images, because uh, you know, in a dream state, you know, you know, actually there aren't other things to to be touching or smelling or or uh, hearing. They're they're generated through the manovinyana, the mind consciousness. But yeah, it's very similar. So that uh, and sometimes dreams can be extremely vivid. So it seems like you're you're hearing, or it seems like you're you're touching, or, and it can be very very realistic. Um, so I would say it's the the the, the mind consciousness, or the, the mind the the mind faculty, uh, sort of borrowing from the other senses to create a, a mental image of, of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, and touching yeah, in the dream state. But yeah, it was. And also, you know, you, you can be mindful in dream states as well, as well as deluded. But, uh, and uh, they, um, uh, so, you know, what they call lucid dreaming uh, it, it is something that uh, can be developed. In Tibetan Buddhism, they have a whole uh, stream of, of um, practice called dream yoga, and they actually use the dream state uh, as a sort of a domain for, for Dhamma practice. I've never done that <laughs> myself, but uh, uh, I've heard that that's uh, it's u- is particularly used as a medium. Does that answer your question? Uh, yes, it does. Will you indulge me in another follow-up? Sure. Yeah. So does that mean you can create karma while you're dreaming? Uh, I would say not really. Um, because it's it's reckon, dreams are are recognised as a um, generally a deluded state, so um, I would say any any karma that could be created by acting in a dream 
is is going to be on a very um, very slight level. I mean, you can learn useful lessons in a dream. <laughs> uh, uh, you can have interesting encounters um, in dreams, so that to some degree, action and choice can be made. But it's uh, it's interesting that within in the monastic rule, you know, anything that you do in a dream is not you know, is not an offence. Like if, if you murder somebody in a dream, it's it's not an offence, yeah. and so that the, and that's very very clear over and over again. That's sort of repeated. You know, if if that's a, if, the, if a person's sleeping or they're dreaming, then it's it's it, there's no offence. So it's a uh, <coughs> so if there is some some degree that that karma can be created, um, you know, lessons can be learned or or, you know, or unskillful things can be done, and then you know that. Uh, the so that there's a degree to which action is taken, and uh, but I would say it's 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 very very mild, um, and then it's often what does the thinking mind do with the dream once you're awake? <laughs> then more karma gets created around that. But uh, um, but generally speaking, I would say you know any any karma that's created in a dream state will be ex- extremely mild or, or very. Very flimsy, partial. Yes. Yes, uh, this, this is from, uh, relating to yesterday's talk that, um, and uh, it's regarding um, attachment to feeling, feeling attachment. Um, there is a suffering and. Um, Unpleasant feeling, and pleasant feeling, and neutral feeling, and uh, somehow um, unpleasant feeling and pleasant feeling is easier to um, recognize mm-hmm. because it's um, have an impact, stronger impact. But neutral feeling, I I feel uh, difficult to find. It's Often going to the background and yes. aware that actually listening uh, yesterday's talk, it's actually a consequences of uh, not aware of the neutral feeling, mm-hmm. and I, I wonder how can I help <laughs> <laughs> recognize this uh, neutral feelings. Oh yeah, good question. The, in the past, uh, Lumpur Sumedha would give you know, long reflections about mindfulness of neutral feeling, and because uh, just as you're saying, you know, that uh, painful and pleasant feeling is much more defined. It's got sharp edges, you know, and clear boundaries. Neutral feeling it very easily leads to heedlessness. You just sort of switch off because it's nothing special. So uh, Lumpur often used to to talk about. Uh, getting interested in it, like actively exploring neutral feeling. That uh, when uh, what what do your what do your hands or your feet feel like when the in, in or what do your ears feel like? Or, you know, what do your your shoulders feel like? And that, and that uh, to to make little exercises to notice sensations in the body that are completely unremarkable. And to see how how long you can sustain the attention on that, and also making that uh, something to to recollect during the course of a day, like you know, here's the experience of of walking. It's not special. 
is the experience of my the the weight of my body on my feet standing up. It's just it's just this. It's not it's not painful. It's not pleasant. It's just this sensation. Or the clothes on our skin, just the 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 uh, the, the, the sensation of cloth on our, our skin. It's like it's not special. So that um, because uh, Lumpur would emphasize it because uh, and I remember him saying, if you if you if you pay attention to it, most of the day we're experiencing neutral feeling. <laughs> that pain and pleasure are kind of uncommon, and most of what we experience is adukha masuka, is neither pleasant nor painful. And so he said, if, if you're ignoring neutral feeling, in a way you're ignoring a lot of what's going on during your day, and so. It's one of those things to, if if you are, if uh, if you see the value in it, to set an intention at the beginning of the day to say, okay, then during today I'm going to make an effort to notice some neutral sensations in the in the body or or neutral moods uh, as well, not just physical sensations, but you know, this is the feeling of uh, of the mind in a completely unremarkable <laughs> mood. It's just basically conscious of, of this moment and, and it, this is this is nothing special and it feels like this and then uh, uh, noticing the result of that not, so not just carrying out that sense of noticing the neutral feeling but then having noticed that and uh, brought that attention to that just the you know the weight of the body or the or the um, what your ears feel like or your you know, your to- your toes or your your shoulders or your hands whatever to uh, having noticed that neutral feeling, what's the effect of that? Uh, you know, what, what's the uh, what's the result of that? So it's not just a matter of carrying out the action, but look, looking at the results of it as well. Uh, and and then uh, I found it very very helpful um, you know, over time, just to because it's also uh, it keeps the attention quite keen, quite sharp, because it's very easy. Because of not noticing that, you, the attention drifts off into mental proliferation, this uh, internal chatter. But it's a, a um, developing that as a, a focus, the, the particularly physical sensations. Then it helps the mind not just to get sort of complacent or just sort of drifting off into mental chatter and, and creating thoughts. Because uh, you know, our thoughts and our ideas and our memories are much more interesting than. The weight of our body on our feet, you know, <laughs> the, 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 whatever sensation you can feel at the in the backs of your ears, you know, that the, like that the our, our ideas, our thoughts, our emotions are more more colourful, more interesting. Uh, so that uh, developing that uh, an awareness, mindfulness of neutral feeling, it helps to it's a support for the mind not getting lost in its mental proliferations. But it, so setting the intention to making a little program for yourself, you see how often during the day to to notice you know particular sets of sensations. Okay, so to continue, there are four such impurities or taints: the asava, the desire for gratification by way of the five senses and by way of the mind, karmasava. Two, the holding fast to certain beliefs like I am the body or the body is mine, dit asava. Satisfaction in a particular state of existence, considering it superior, precious and happy, 
the wish that one can abide in such a state and experience joy forever, bhavasava, and four, ignorance of things as they truly are, avijasava. So you'll notice that these are quite close to the different kinds of um, uh, craving, the, the upadanas. They're not absolutely identical, but there's a, quite a bit of an overlap there. Aging and death are the marks of decline and decay, and they run counter to these mental impurities. For example, in regard to sensuality, aging and death lead people to feel that they will be separated from the pleasurable, desired sense objects. In regard to views, when one identifies with the body, one grieves when it changes. In regard to becoming, one fears that one will miss the opportunity to abide in a desired state of existence. And in regard to ignorance, one lacks basic understanding of, say, the nature of aging and the proper course of conduct in relation to it. When a person who lacks proper understanding thinks of or encounters aging and death, he or she experiences fear and gloom and behaves in a misguided way. The taints, the asava, thus act as fuel, giving rise to sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair the moment a person contacts aging and death. Sorrow, lamentation, etc. also reveal mental obscurity. Whenever these negative emotions are present, the mind is dim and dull. When one of these mind states arises, it's accompanied by ignorance, as is as confirmed by the Visuddhi Magga. That's a quote saying, Sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair are inseparable from ignorance. And lament, sorry, sorrow, pain, grief and despair are inseparable from ignorance. And lamentation is found in one who is deluded. So uh, when these are established, ignorance is established. This is how ignorance should be understood, to be established by sorrow and so on. As long as these, sorrow, etc., go on occurring, so long does ignorance occur. Therefore it is said, with the arising of taints, there is the arising of ignorance. And uh, so that's uh, a quote from the, uh, I think it's the uh, Samaditi Sutta, the uh, Sutta number nine in the Majjhima Nikaya. And so that's one of the, the few places where the Buddha talks about the, the causes of ignorance. And he, he labels the, these four outflows, the four asava, as what is the, um, the, they bring about the arising of ignorance. With the arising of the taints, there is the arising of ignorance. One can conclude that for unawakened persons, <coughs> aging and death, with their retinue of sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair, are a condition for the arising of ignorance, providing the next link in the cycle of dependent origination without interruption. So, having arrived at Sokapari Deva Dukkha Domina Supayasa, then that's, that's creating the conditions for, for more ignorance to begin. Uh, later on, we get to um, uh, for what, what I referred to as the first exit point from the cycle in that uh, the other book, um, because uh, it's not a guarantee that, that those painful states, that dukkha, will automatically feed ignorance, because uh, that in some of the, the, the Buddha's teachings, he points out that that dukkha can give rise to faith, um, sadha, which is a, um, maybe an unexpected result. But it's, um, in a way, that's the, what I talk about as the first exit point from the cycle. And also, when the Buddha gave the, the teaching on the Four Noble Truths and the, the, the turning of the wheel, the, the Dhamma Chakra Sutta, then it starts off with that recognition of dukkha. That this, this is dukkha, idang dukkang. This is the experience of dissatisfaction. The mind is knowing that, that feeling uh, of dukkha and that very act of knowing it 
That's what this is. This is dukkha. It's not wallowing in it. It's not lost in it. It's not blaming anybody or anything for it. It's saying, oh, this is the experience of dukkha. Idang dukkang. Here is dukkha. <laughs> and that very uh, receiving uh, or acknowledging of dukkha. Uh, and then in the uh, um, that explanation of the first of the Four Noble Truths, parinyayanti, dukkha is to be received, is to be apprehended, is to be understood. And then that's uh, the Buddha spelling out the, the, the skillful mode of relating to dukkha. And then that's where the, the whole unfolding of, of uh, the path and, and liberation from dukkha begins. So that it's not guaranteed, having arrived at that, the, the, those painful states, that they necessarily feed avijja. But if there is a, uh, enough so wisdom or motivation and, and clarity, then there is that different way of handling the experience of dukkha, and that's what makes all the difference. And there's another teaching that I, I like to quote very often, and I quoted in the other book, which was um, where the Buddha says, suffering ripens in two ways, either in more suffering or in search. And the search meaning, uh, he's, as he spells it out in, in that sutta, search means there, there has to be some alternative to this. this can't, there, there has to be a, a way beyond this. This can't be the whole story. And so that search of, so what is it? Where, where is there some way forward? Is what, where's the path that can, uh, can uh, lead away from this? This, this can't uh, be something absolute. So that's, um, that I would say is very closely related to, to that quality of faith. It's faith that this can't be the whole story. I like, uh, that, you know, that I'm, I'm addicted to this particular habit, but there are other people who are not. So there's got to be a way that the mind is not tied up with this particular habit of chasing this desire object or reacting against this this uh, irritation and so forth. So those are key teachings. We'll get to those in more detail later on. But um, that uh, um, is spelling out here is why it's cyclical, is that generally that it's uh, that sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair become a cause for ignorance and then it, it feeds on itself and the, the cycle continues. Several important points may be made concerning previous explanations. 1. The cycle of dependent origination, as explained above, is usually called the wheel of becoming, bhava chakra, or the wheel of rebirth, samsara chakra, and it covers three distinct lifetimes. Ignorance, avijja, and volitional formations, sankara, comprise one lifespan. Consciousness to becoming, uh, vijnana all the way to bhava, comprise another lifespan. And then, thirdly, birth, jati, and aging and death, jara, marana, along with sorrow and lamentation, etc., comprise a third lifespan. By determining the middle interval, consciousness to becoming as the present life, the three stages, containing twelve factors, can be connected to three periods of time. Past life, ignorance and volitional formations, present life, consciousness, mind and body, six senses, contact, feeling, craving, grasping and becoming, and three, future life, birth and aging and death, with sorrow, lamentation, etc. In this three-life division, the present life is considered the principal period of time. The relationship of the past to the present is only viewed in the light of, the, of causal factors. The results manifesting in the present are traced back to the causes in the past, past causes leading to present results. Similarly, the view to the future pertains to results, Present causes are linked to future results. 
present causes lead to future results. Therefore, only the present contains both results and causes. This relationship of cause and effect can be depicted as four stages. Past causes, atita hetu, ignorance and volitional formations. Present results, consciousness, mind and body, six sense bases, contact and feeling. Present causes, pachupana hetu, craving, grasping and becoming. Future results, anagatapala, birth and aging and death with sorrow, lamentation, etc. So one of the um, the, the the ways I, I talk I like to talk about this is that uh, and why the the present moment is so important is that you know, I often talk about the fundamentally Dhamma practice has got two aspects to it. One is the conscious appreciation or receiving or acknowledging of the effects of past causes. That's all stage one. So everything that we experience in this moment is the result of all the different causes in the universe having come together and it's felt like this. So right now we experience the effects of past causes and it's exactly like this. So that's sort of stage one of Dhamma practice, receiving uh, the effects of past causes, whether they are from our own actions or from the way that nature works or the universe or other people around us. In this moment, the fabric of this moment is the effects of all those gazillions of, of past causes and they come together to be like this. So that's part one of the practice. And then part two is then creating uh, causes in the present for beneficial future effects. So taking those effects of past causes and, and knowing them as they are like this, then working with that in the present uh, through the guidance of, uh, of, of Dhamma, uh, Buddha Dhamma, then we create uh, skillful causes, ideally in the present, that then bring about beneficial and helpful results in the future. So uh, it's a, a, a way I like to talk about what, when we talk about practicing Dhamma, that it's essentially those two pieces, that uh, receiving the effects of past causes and then creating, uh, creating uh, skillful causes in the present to do what can be done to create helpful effects in the future. Does that make sense? Is it the case that if you're doing the first bit, you're automatically creating, you know, if you are receiving um, results of past uh, you know, causes in the present, if you're receiving it without uh, cleaning, isn't that also just, just, just that, that much is creating the positive results in the future? It's contributing to it, absolutely, yeah. But it's not the it's not the whole thing. It's like uh, if we if we're appreciating the effects of past causes, if, then it's also okay. That being the case, there's a lesson to be learned there. So let that guide what I uh, how I speak or how I act uh, in, at this time. So yes, the the openness of heart and the appreciation is is part of what's creating uh, beneficial causes. But then what informs choices that are made. Uh, is also part, is, is another part of that. Well, at least, at least that's what I'm talking about. That's how I describe it. So that so you're learning lessons from what's been pleasant, what's been painful, and and, and uh, applying that in the present. So then, at uh, um, so it's informing um, skillful choices as well. Yeah. Is there any sort of uh, 
guidance on when, for example, in an event that creates a future effect, how long that cycle takes? <laughs> uh, short answer, no. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, the, you you create the, the choices are made and causes are created. But uh, yeah, over and over again, the, the, in the, the in the teachings, the Buddha says, you know, you you can't predict exactly when the you know, action will ripen. What you know, the karma is the word for action, and vipaka is the results of that that action. So that you can't predict exactly when and how uh, you know what what form the the results of that action will take shape. Um, that's one of the, you know, so hyper complex and unpredictable because there's so many factors playing into it. But um, uh, but he does say that, that skillful causes will create beneficial effects. Exactly how and when they ripen and in what form, you can't say. But that the, the cause and the effect match each other. But there's so many other factors playing into it that you. Uh, you know, you can't say exactly how and where. So it's not a, it's not a, his teaching isn't one of, um, say, a, a, like, high predictability. But it's talking about, um, particular th- uh, themes or, or how, how things work. Um, and that similarly, if there's an unskillful cause to have a painful result in some way, shape, or form, it might not be soon, it might, it might be later, but, uh, that uh, it necessarily will have a painful consequence later on. Okay, so <clears throat> carry on with this last bit of this section. From the explanations of each factor above, it's evident that some definitions for these factors overlap or correspond with one another. The factors can thus be grouped as follows. One. Ignorance, avijja, can be grouped together with craving and grasping, tanha and upadana. In the general explanations of ignorance above, it's clear that craving, tanha, and grasping, upadana, especially grasping onto a sense of self, are inherent in each example. When a person doesn't understand the truth and mistakenly identifies with a self, there'll be selfish desires and attachments. In the phrase, with the arising of the taints, there's the arising of ignorance, the taints of sense desire, becoming and views, kamasava, bhavasava and ditasava are all connected to craving and grasping. Therefore, whenever ignorance is mentioned, there's always a link to craving and grasping. Similarly, in the explanations of craving and grasping, there's always a link to ignorance. When there's an identification with self, there's craving and grasping. The many forms of selfishness stem not from knowing the truth of conditioned phenomena. The more people generate desire and attachment, the more impaired are their critical faculties. They increasingly fail to apply mindfulness and wisdom, and their true discernment of things decreases. Therefore, ignorance as a past cause and craving and grasping as present causes have essentially the same meaning. The reason ignorance is used in the past and craving and grasping are used in the present is to show the chief determining factors in different sections of the cycle. So that uh, and that that sentence. So uh, the more people generate desire and attachment, the more impaired are their critical faculties. It's a sort of polite way or a, a sort of a um, technical way of talking about the force of habit. You know, if we we follow particular um, sort of tracks of behaviour, um, attaching to opinions, um, 
various forms of, of desire or obsession, various forms of irritation or anxiety, fear, aversion. The, the more the mind believes in them, the more the, that we follow those habits, then the more distortion or bias that, that the mind is, uh, the mind creates. You know, if you um, if you if you think in very uh, aggressive terms, if you're very um, um, critical of other people, then you tend to be creating the causes of fear so that then you'll see you come into a room full of people and you'll feel threat because you're, the, the mind is creating the causes of conflict and criticism and negativity so then you experience generally um, a sense of, of threat or, or, or um, contention and, and such like if you've developed a lot of loving kindness um, you know, bhavana, when you come into a, a room full of people then what you experience is oh these, <laughs> these fine people are here and it's a uh, rather than feeling threat and and contention, then you you have a, a sense of compassion and, and love and appreciation for the the people that are there. One of the um, the old uh, old sayings in this respect is: when a pickpocket meets a saint, all they see are pockets. That makes sense. <laughs> that the, that the, uh, uh, a uh, you know we we create these tracks, and the word for for a bias is agati. So and those are again they're similar sets of, co- of qualities. So you have um, uh, uh, aversion, uh, dosa, um, and uh, 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 loba, greed, and moha, delusion, but also fear. Bhaya is one of the uh, one of the agatis or the biases. So. Uh, loba, dosa, and moha are the kind of three unskillful roots. The, the, they always they always have a painful negative result. Fear isn't a isn't a defilement, or it's not one of those. Uh, it's not intrinsically akusala. So fear it is recognized in a it's in a slightly different category. So it's a bias. It sort of distorts the the, the view. So if you're if you've invested a lot in anxiety and fear, then then you see threat everywhere, and people are. Things are a cause for worry, but it's not a defilement like greed, hatred, or, or delusion. But it, it distorts the perception, so it's a, uh, it's a kind of it's helpful to see that it's uh, even though it might be a, a very oppressive habit or very something difficult to work with, it's not in quite the same category as greed, hatred, and delusion. But it's uh, it it's one of the the agati or the the biases. Um, does that make sense? So the, it's a, the other three are in a slightly different category, but bhaya um, or fear is is a it distorts the perceptions in a in a in a substantial way. So two volitional formations of sankara <coughs> is connected to becoming bhava. The definitions for sankara and bhava are almost identical. The difference lies in the principal agent that is emphasized, or in the range of focus. The definition for sankara emphasizes intention, which is the principal agent behind action, kama. The definition for bhava is broader, distinguishing between the active processes of becoming and the passive processes of becoming. So these are called kama bhava and upati bhava. The active process of becoming also has intention as a principal agent, like sankara, but the term kama bhava has a wider meaning than sankara, encompassing the entire range of human behavior. The passive process of becoming refers to the five aggregates arising from the active process of becoming. And three, uh, consciousness, vijnana, 
to feeling, Vedana, with birth, aging and death, uh, sorrow, lamentation, etc. The factors of consciousness uh, to feeling, so um, vijnana, namarupa, salayatna, pasa, vedana, refers to uh, results in this life. The reason these factors are listed in detail here is to show how present resultant factors interact and produce present causal factors, which then lead to future results. Birth and aging and death as future results demonstrate that when present causal factors exist, there will inevitably be future results. So if there's causes that are created in the present, there's going to be uh, results. They might be mild, they might be strong, or might be in the middle, but there will be future results from present causes. Jati and Jara Marna, birth and aging and death, are here used only as a summary, referring to the arising and ceasing of consciousness, mind and body, the six sense bases, contact and feeling. And they are used to emphasize the arising of suffering, to reveal the point linking the process to the beginning and ignorance. Therefore, the factors of consciousness to feeling, so vijnana, namarupa, salayatna, pasna, vedna, and the dual factors of birth uh, and aging and death, jati, jara, marna, are essentially the same and can be used interchangeably. So Venerable Payuto, he's one of these uh, people who loves to sort of draw things together and, and to connect up the dots, and, and uh, he's got a, a very... Um, Ethic, a mind that likes to to map things and see interrelationships between things and so this might be a little bit hard to follow just hearing it <laughs> uh, even reading it and sort of going through it, uh, it it's a bit tricky to follow and um, I will leave out the whole next few pages because it goes even even into greater detail of mapping things together and overlapping and it's um, to my uh, to my perceptions, it gets very complicated and it's not particularly helpful unless you've got the the book in front of you with the various diagrams that he that he draws up um, in relationship to these with these these kind of there well, there are copies of this book around you can help yourself to them. So um, uh, uh, to to me, it's not incredibly helpful to have all of that. Um, uh, sort of put together in these varieties of ways and just reading through it it seems to create more confusion and uh, lack of clarity to me anyway so the um my my feeling is i'll just leave a, a bit out of the book but you're welcome to read it if you wish um and uh because the whole point is to reduce suffering rather than to increase it <laughs> you know i try to read it out to you yeah i think my my prediction would be not that we uh, I'm predicting the future, but there'll be a lot of <coughs> furrowed brows and like, what the heck is that? Huh? So uh, uh, I'll leave that next part out. It's seven o'clock now also, so I'll, I'll leave it there for today. And uh, the next reading I'll carry on from the uh, the bottom part of page 35 is where I'll, I'll begin again. But if people want to read the, those next bits and look at the diagrams and such like, you're, you're very welcome to, but I will... I will uh, uh, skip over the next part and uh, uh, leave that to your own individual researches if you wish.